I'm Daniel Fontaine, co-host of BC Polytalk. And I'm Bill Tillman, and we're here with a special COVID-19 remote digital online online interview with Attorney General and Vancouver Point Grey MLA, David Eby. We have David Eby on today. We're all in self-isolation. Uh, we're all going to be uh, tuning in from different locations today. But I tell you, um, there are going to be a lot of interesting questions we have to pose to the Attorney General given that we're right in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, we know that the provincial health officer is, is uh, and the solicitor general and other ministers are imposing a lot of legislation that could at some point have an impact on the attorney general and the court system, not only in the coming months, but potentially for years uh, ahead of us. Yeah, we've got the issue of enforcement. We have the courts are now effectively closed to all but the most urgent cases. Uh, even prisoners are making video appearances like we are, uh, prisoners <laughs> in a way as well at our homes. And uh, certainly not only that, but Attorney General Eby is also responsible for liquor stores. He's also responsible for ICBC, which has had a number of big changes and is impacted by COVID-19. And he's again also responsible for uh, overseeing uh, and setting up the money laundering commission by Justice Austin Cullen. So he's got a lot on his plate and we had a lot of questions for him. Yeah, he's kind of being referred to as the minister of everything. I mean, he's pretty much got his fingers in every pie. But there's a few questions I'm going to have for him, uh, in particular around ICBC. And we're, we know that some of the other ministries right now are looking at potentially uh, things like not uh, having you pay your BC Hydro. And given the pandemic and the loss of jobs, I mean, the numbers are staggering. People won't be able to pay a lot of bills that the provincial government will be sending to them. And I'd be interested to know whether ICBC given their current financial state will be in a position to actually delay uh, people paying their ICBC rates and if the government will will give a break there. And also I've heard uh, something interesting that uh, uh, a couple of distilleries in the province, uh, they're looking at to being a bit innovative and allowing them to produce things like hand sanitizer that I know are very much needed in the sector that I'm working in in healthcare right now. So that'll be interesting to see what he has to say about that. Yeah, exactly. And again, for, for our listeners and viewers, uh, please bear with us in terms of the circumstances we're operating under. Our, our technical folks are doing their best. We're using a kind of an enhanced Skype method of communicating, and we're going to try and keep doing this throughout the rest of the season. Uh, but I think you'll find that, uh, I'm sure you'll find that what David Eby has to say will be fascinating. And uh, let's talk to him next. BC Polytalk thanks Harbor Air for supporting the show. It's through sponsorship and viewer support that we get to produce this show. Attorney General David Eby, thanks very much for joining us in this very ad hoc COVID-19 uh, totally digital setup. And we really appreciate the fact that you've made yourself available for an interview, which we'd scheduled previously way back when for the studio. But thank you very much for joining us, uh, Daniel and I, uh, digitally. Nice to see you in the virtual germ-free space. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a crazy time and this is a crazy way of doing a BC Polytalk for us, but it's the only way we can do it for now and for the foreseeable future. What's your general, general impression on the impact this is having on British Columbia? And then maybe we'll ask some of your spe specific portfolio areas after that. Well, the uh, general impression obviously is, uh, is that this is quite a significant and unusual departure from business as usual for British Columbians. And uh, whether we're talking about areas of my portfolio from casinos to courts to driver's license renewals or um, or other areas that we're responsible for. It looks good, bud. We're working, we're all working from home. This is my son. Uh, come say hi. We're all, everybody's working from home. 
<laughs> and so we're working with families and we're making do. Okay, bud, I got to keep going with this call. So, you know, I, everyone, uh, my family, every family is uh, working from home as much as possible and making do with uh, childcare and with closed schools. Uh, it's a really unusual time and we're all doing our best. And in terms of, uh, I mean, well, you mentioned we just saw your son as you have a new daughter and your, your wife, Kaylee, is a doctor. Um, how is it uh, just on a personal level impacting your family? Well, for our family, uh, schools are closed, uh, childcare just closed. Um, so we're all home now. Um, Kaylee will probably be called back to work once uh, the number of people in hospital affected by COVID starts to go up. She's on maternity leave, but she'll be needed uh, in hospital. So we'll have to figure that out when that happens. Our usual childcare is grandpa. Um, and obviously with the impact of the virus on people who are older, we're nervous about, uh, about what that would look like for our family. And, and these kinds of things are um, faced by families across the province. But beyond that, a lot of families have far worse situations. I mean, ours is just a matter of logistics, but I need to keep, I need to keep working on this. Okay. Uh, just keep painting and then maybe go say Adam It's already done. Okay. But I need to finish this call. What was our deal? <laughs> okay. So, well, you know, that's, uh, that's our reality so for, all for, over the place. <laughs> for our family, it's a matter of logistics. For a lot of other families, it's existential. You know, uh, we have neighbors in our building that own a small business that's had to be closed um, because it involved the risk of transmission and people being in close proximity to each other. Uh, and, uh, and they're financially devastated overnight. And so it's really... Uh, hard for us to see that happening to our friends and immediate uh, close people in our lives. And uh, I know a lot of people out there are either in that situation themselves or, or they know people who are in that situation. And, uh, and government is working hard to put together packages to minimize and mitigate some of those harms. So Minister, uh, as the Attorney General, we're, we're watching right now some unprecedented uh, legislation and, and uh, powers given to the provincial government to ensure that we make it through this pandemic. Uh, obviously, that will likely impact your ministry, maybe not immediately, but in the next six to 12 months, as people potentially uh, break the law or not, uh, you know, abiding by some of the edicts being put down by the PHO. Uh, what, what, do, what are you, what's running through your mind right now as you're looking at what's happening and what potentially could be coming down in the courts in the coming days and months? Well, for the courts, I mean, the courts are closed uh, right now, except for exceptional applications, and that's at the discretion of the chief justice and the chief judge. Uh, these are really unusual and remarkable times. We're working overtime to move a lot of the court services online so that that work can continue for essential applications that have to go ahead. For people who have appearances who might be in custody, they're appearing by video instead of appearing in person for uh, bail reviews and other processes. Um, in terms of the public health orders and the impact on people of, uh, of the provincial health officers' orders and, and us being under a state of emergency now in the province. Uh, nobody expects uh, perfect compliance, uh, but we do expect people to do their best to abide by those orders. And, uh, and there are going to be people uh, who are um, positive for the virus, who are ignoring provincial health orders. We haven't run into that situation yet, fortunately, uh, but we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, this is a really serious matter and containing the spread of the virus is critical to prevent our hospitals from becoming overwhelmed and to ensure that we stay within the capacity of the system and government's prepared to do what's necessary to make sure that we do our best to ensure that doesn't happen. What do you tell people who we, we, we're seeing media images 
of people walking down the White Walk Pier and in places, uh, English Bay, should more be done by cities like White Rock and stuff to, to close off those places so people cannot be congregating? Because we're still seeing that happening even uh, this week. The key to the whole thing, as I understand it from the public health officers, is social distancing. So maintaining that distance from other people and uh, washing your hands frequently, uh, as opposed to uh, confining people in their homes. Uh, we're not at that stage in British Columbia. And for people's mental health and for their physical health, um, it's fine to be outside and it's, it's fine to go to work uh, as long as you're maintaining that social distance. And, uh, and we're following very carefully the advice of public health experts on this. It's very easy to politicize these things or allow fear to make decisions. And instead, everyone, uh, we need to work on the best science that's available to us and uh, what needs to be done to contain the virus. Um, and we're taking that advice from our chief uh, provincial health officer. And, and, and you've seen escalating steps from her as she becomes more concerned about uh, spread, especially um, before the borders were closed, the issue that we face with Washington state having a very significant outbreak and an uncontained outbreak uh, in their state. So as that uh, concern has gone up that she's seen, uh, so have the uh, measures that have been put in place in the province. Uh, Minister Eby, the, the burning question that our uh, listeners and viewers will want you to answer is, because you're responsible for it, uh, our liquor store is gonna close. <laughs> right. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, there's no uh, shortage of product uh, in terms of uh, either cannabis or alcohol in the province. Uh, we do have supplies that we believe will um, maintain British Columbians for a long time uh, through this crisis and beyond. Uh, and those shipments are continuing. The issues have been how do we ensure that people are able to purchase safely, that the staff are safe, uh, that customers are safe, that those working in the distribution center are safe. So uh, as a temporary uh, measure, we've stopped accepting bottle returns, uh, which makes sense. Obviously, the risk of contamination is significant from, uh, from bottles. And so we don't want people to bring back their used bottles at this stage. The store hours have decreased slightly. And the reason for this is uh, twofold. One is it gives staff opportunity to do additional deep cleaning at the store before they open and after they close. And secondly, to make sure that stocks are fully shelled uh, Shelves are fully stocked for customers when they come into the store. Uh, there are some liquor stores that are inside malls that have more restricted hours right now. And so uh, those uh, stores are obviously governed by the situation that the mall that they're in. And we're also looking at ways to support hospitality, you know, bars and restaurants that have had to close in terms of being able to potentially uh, even uh, do direct delivery of alcohol. So uh, as far as your beer is concerned, there's no need to panic at this stage. Uh, there should be uh, plenty of supply and plenty of different ways to get alcohol uh, going through the crisis. Um, but also under stressful times, you know, there are temptations to uh, use uh, substances, whether cannabis, alcohol or otherwise, uh, and just ask people to, to keep, it, keep track of their responsible use because uh, it's a really stressful time for a lot of families. Yeah. So, 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 Minister, uh, I've, I've been told that your ministry is, uh, is working on a very unique way of combating COVID-19. I understand that some of the distilleries are being allowed now to actually produce hand sanitizer, which I, I didn't realize that it would even be possible. Is that something you could talk about as well? Sure. Um, we've had a request from uh, a couple of distilleries uh, and, uh, and alcohol producers in the province who uh, believe that they can produce uh, an ethanol product that would act as a hand sanitizer that could fulfill, could fill a gap uh, in supply currently that uh, is being experienced by some uh, facilities that need additional hand sanitizer. 
um, we're exploring with them the possibility of, uh, of allowing them to produce that and distribute it. Uh, there are a number of policy issues that need to be addressed, but uh, it's these kinds of creative ideas that are coming forward that government is exploring uh, in terms of addressing, uh, making sure that we have enough medical uh, equipment, that we have enough uh, things like sanitizer, uh, masks for healthcare professionals and gloves and so on. Minister, um, on the more non-COVID-19 related uh, portfolios, because there's certainly a lot of those as well, I'm just wondering, uh, ICBC, you described as a dumpster fire uh, a couple of years ago. You've now brought in some legislation that will also limit the possibility of future governments using the surpluses for anything. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, ICBC uh, is one of our crown corporations, a provincially owned business. And, and I think most of your listeners and viewers will know uh, the situation faced by business across the world right now. Uh, and it's uh, no different for the BC Lottery Corporation, which has closed all of its casinos, ICBC, which has market investments. And also we had a piece of legislation that was intended to go through the legislature in terms of how to restrict uh, uh, the abuse of expert witnesses and the excessive costs related to that, which isn't going to pass through the legislature anymore. And there are additional costs of managing the COVID outbreak. And so I think uh, in terms of ICBC's uh, hope, my hope, uh, that we're going to be very at or near uh, break even this year. Uh, that is no longer a realistic expectation. And unfortunately, uh, there are many aspects of the provincial budget uh, that are taking a hit in that way. But it's not really uh, government, frankly, that I'm concerned about at this point. What I'm really concerned about is the impact on the day-to-day -day lives of British Columbians, making rent, paying their mortgage, uh, finding uh, the things that they need to keep their family safe and well provided for. And that's been the focus of government. In terms of ICBC, they have two uh, main areas of business. They have the insurance business, uh, where now you can do your insurance renewals by phone. Uh, and uh, in, in terms of getting a sticker from a broker, uh, you'll be able to show a police officer if you need to show proof of insurance, either on your phone or a printout uh, that you can make at home uh, proof of insurance because you won't be getting the decal. Uh, so uh, we've made those kinds of accommodations on the driver services side of ICBC. Uh, driver's license tests have been cancelled because of close proximity of the tester and the person who's driving the car. Uh, however, driver's license renewals are going ahead. Um, it, we are expecting and hoping that in the legislative session on Monday uh, that we will have legislation in place that will allow people to, uh, uh, even if their driver's license is expired, to continue driving on that until such time as the state of emergency is over and then they'll have to renew their driver's license. Uh, to take some of that pressure off of uh, driver's license centers and the need for people to go in to do renewals. So there are a number of different pieces that we're doing at ICBC to mitigate harms. Uh, but financially, uh, for ICBC, this is very bad news. But you know what? Uh, it is horrific news for business across the globe right now. And uh, coming out the other end, uh, ultimately, the insurer will be in a better place once we pass the legislation around the enhanced care base system and the, the savings will still be there for drivers after this uh, crisis is over. Um, but some of our work has been definitely put on hold here. So Minister, just as a follow up to that and sticking to the theme of ICBC, I understand that a number of ministries are looking right now, given what's happening with the pandemic and given the fact that so many British Columbians are going to be out of paychecks in the coming weeks, is there any uh, contemplation by ICBC to allow for people to forego having to pay the renewal of their insurance to allow them a few months, given that they're likely going to be out of work. Is that something that ICBC is contemplating at this time? 
Uh, government across uh, the entirety of, uh, of the ministries is looking at ways to provide support to people. Um, and uh, there's a number of different ways that we can do that. Uh, it could be through um, providing reduced costs for people uh, in terms of renewing their insurance or other expenses. Uh, maybe go inside and check in with mom, okay? Uh, 10. I know, that's not that many. He's, he's so, working for the trial lawyers. He's working for the trial lawyers, I'm sure. <laughs> so there's a number of different uh, pieces we're looking at to make life a little bit easier for British Columbians when they're under financial stress. Uh, and insurance could potentially be one of them. Uh, it's early days right now. So mostly we're in the immediate response of, okay, what do you do when you need to renew your insurance? What do you do when you need to renew your driver's license? How do we keep ICBC employees safe? How do we ensure that they're able to work from home so that people can get the services they're expecting? And then we'll be looking at those second level uh, initiatives later. Um, we, I know we're poaching on your family time and your time. Um, but could you uh, just say it's a few words about time, and work uh, time at our house right now? <laughs> I, well, I, I, yeah, I said uh, that like somewhat, family. Uh, somewhat, yeah. somewhat tongue in cheek. <laughs> uh, could you tell us a little bit about where the uh, money laundering inquiry by just our former justice Austin Collins sits right now? I, I presume sure. there'll be some challenges there. Well, uh, it's it's interesting because the commission uh, was scheduled to hear opening statements, which they did do in the spring. Uh, and uh, here are some panels of uh, non-controversial witnesses to kind of set a context uh, in the spring. But the main witnesses were all uh, anticipated to be heard in the fall, uh, which is good news uh, because what they have right now are literally thousands and thousands of pages of records from uh, government and from various actors outside of government, everyone from the law society, uh, the, the financial regulator, um, uh, and, uh, and other entities that I don't even know about that they've requested uh, documents from. So they'll be using this time, as I understand it, to go through those records and prepare for witnesses in the fall. I wouldn't be surprised and I don't expect to see uh, witnesses from them until the fall now. So those panels of uncontroversial witnesses to kind of set up the context, uh, I don't expect that to be going ahead. And in fact, I understand the commission is working from home right now. Uh, but they are able to access all of their documents and do all their work remotely. So it, it continues roughly as scheduled, interestingly enough. It just happened that their schedule is uh, is aligned with uh, with what reality will probably be for British Columbians. So do you think the timeline then you've indicated looks like it's going to be on time, but uh, you wanted, I think, this report all wrapped up prior to, I think, likely the next election, which everyone's anticipating will be obviously sometime next year. So at this point, you don't see uh, any reason to believe that they would be delayed beyond what um, we've uh, kind of laid out. I've not had any communications from them to that effect, but uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some impact on timelines ultimately. At this stage though, uh, their original plan was to be using this time to do document review and to prepare a plan for the fall in terms of what witnesses the commissioner wants to hear from. Uh, and my understanding is that that work continues remotely uninterrupted. Um, I think that's almost all of our questions and we really appreciate Attorney General David Eby, uh, MLA for Vancouver Point Grey. Thank you for taking the time amidst this crisis and uh, all the things that you have on your plate to talk to BC Polytalk. Well, thanks very much for having me and, uh, and thanks for uh, uh, keeping your communications open to British Columbians during this challenging time. And I, I hope that you're safe and your families are safe and looked after and, uh, and I wish the best to all of your listeners and viewers as well. And, and to your family thanks too, thank you on. very much. BC Polytalk thanks Harbour Air for supporting the show. It's through sponsorship and viewer support that we get to produce this show.
I must say that was uh, both an enjoyable interview. I loved the fact that uh, the Attorney General was very uh, real coverage. There was, I love the kids uh, coming in there. That's fantastic. But I tell you that that was not a long interview, but that was sure packed with a lot of information and a lot of news, actually, I think, from what the Attorney General had to say on everything from ICBC rates to uh, the Money Laundering Commission. What was your perspective, Bill? Well, it was great. And I, I think, it, as you said, it was very real to have uh, David uh, and his wife Kaylee's son kind of pop into the picture for those who weren't actually seeing it on TV, uh, pop into the picture for a minute there. And that's the reality. People are all working at home. They have kids to deal with. They have all sorts of challenges. And uh, so does the attorney general. And he has a plateful. But, you know, to, for me, Daniel, there's so many different questions there. I think probably uh, in terms of newsworthiness, I think the minister responsible for ICBC was quite clear that any idea that ICBC is going to break even this year based on the changes, the enhanced care, or what some people are calling no-fault changes, are just not going to happen because of this COVID-19 crisis that we're in right now. So there's you know one of many big hits on the BC budget, uh, all of which are out of control of the government or any government in the province or the federal government. And I think we're going to hear a lot more from a lot of different ministers about what the impacts are. Yeah, and the fact that he uh, acknowledged that the court system is essentially shut down except for essential services, uh, we all know that there's huge backlogs in the courts. And if this lasts for you know one or two or three months or beyond that, I can only imagine the impact and the cost that it's going to have in the uh, Attorney General's ministry moving forward. And you can multiply that probably by every single uh, department. And it's interesting, Bill, because um, you were at the budget lockup just a few weeks ago. And mm -hmm. you and I were talking about uh, the fact that uh, the Minister of Finance was asked questions about COVID and whether or not the provincial government was adequately prepared. And I believe uh, the minister said that they had built in provisions, but I can only imagine that there was no way that this kind of stuff could have been forecast and nobody would have thought even a few weeks ago that, that the entire uh, economy would essentially be shut down. Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, there's forecast allowances, there's a small surplus, but uh, Minister Carol James, the finance minister, said at the time it was kind of premature, weren't sure what the impacts were. I'm sure when the next quarterly report comes out, it'll look like my RSP statement, uh, really grim and getting grimmer by the day. Uh, but, you know, that's what government's here for. But the government has to absorb that kind of financial shock and help people. I think David Eby was very clear about uh, some of the measures they're going to be taking. Uh, I think uh, it, he was also clear, but he didn't say it is uh, people who do bad things might be going to jail for a long time because they won't get in front of any courts anytime soon. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that the, the piece that was intriguing to me is the fact that, um, you know, we are going to have, uh, uh, well, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of British Columbians that are going to be out of work uh, within the next few weeks, many of whom are going to need to renew their car insurance. And it's uh, for some, mm -hmm. I have a 16-year-old son, I, it's going to be a very expensive venture for our family. And, and we may be in the position, obviously, we'll be in the position to afford it, but many will not be able to do that. How is government going to respond given the financial, and I'm putting it in air quotes, the, the, the dumpster fire that ICBC is, can it really afford mm -hmm. to give people a break? I, I, it'll be hard to see how they're going to be able to do that. Well, on the lighter side, I guess, from my perspective, uh, there was some good news in that you can still buy beer and wine and liquor and, uh, you know, we have more, more reasons to drink than usual. And that, at least that continues to provide uh, a very substantial revenue stream into the government. It's almost a billion dollars a year, I think, in, in net it, profit. So I'm sure the government will not yeah. be keen on closing liquor stores anytime soon. 
Well, it's a good it's a good revenue stream, and uh, from all the early information around liquor sales and and pot sales in the province, they're actually skyrocketing. So the, on that front, they're actually making a bit more money. Where they're going to be hit, I think, is on the casino revenue. I mean, all the casinos mm-hmm. are closed down, and the casinos produce uh, a, a whack of money for the province. I think it's in the billions of dollars of money per year. So whatever you look at uh, for the government, whether it's revenue, a lack of it, and and or additional costs. This is just going to be a real huge financial hit to the province for as far as the eye can see. Well, and we talked a little bit about the border being closed with Washington State, but we didn't talk to, and it's not David Eby's jurisdiction, but tourism is just tanking, as we know right now. And and for the foreseeable future, uh, just today as we're recording, 5,000 Air Canada flight attendants laid off. Um, you know, the hotels are at almost uh, you know single-digit occupancy at this point. Restaurants are either doing takeout at best or shut down completely. Some of my favorite restaurants have closed already. So, you know, we're going to we're gonna be in for some tough times that I don't think uh, uh, Attorney General David Eby or anyone in the cabinet or Premier John Horgan uh, could have any inkling of just a few months ago. But boy, oh boy, we're in for a rough ride. And um, I think it'll be also interesting. It has been interesting to see what your take. Uh, the, la- the level of nonpartisanship in the B.C. legislature right now is something that I've never seen in my history. No, and I think that's to be recognized as well, and I think others have done that. I mean, you look at other jurisdictions, be it even federal government or the U.S. or other uh, jurisdictions in the United States, it's not quite as collegial as it is here in British Columbia. So kudos to all the political parties for working together. I think what will be interesting to watch, though, Bill, is as this COVID-19 pandemic uh, slowly wanes, which we hope over the coming months, and we are dealing now with the kind of ramifications of it all, whether or not that collegiality as we're moving closer to an election will remain. And I'm challenged by that because I think what will happen is the reality of having to continue to govern with a complete economic mess and a lot of people uh, with their hand out saying, please help, we need help. And if the government can't be there, it could now be in a really big political bind um, because there's not a lot of room on the runway left for them uh, to the next election. Well, and you know, just for one more moment on that, because um, also because we don't get to talk offline as we usually do in the studio, but you know, uh, President Barack Obama had to come in right after the 2008 financial crisis and clean up, um, but he was recognized as having done a very good job, and he was obviously reelected. Then you think way back, Winston Churchill, you know, through Britain's darkest hours and his great speeches and everything else, in 1945 he was defeated by the Labour government, and people just said he did a great job in the war, but we need somebody else to get the economy going again, and it's not Winston Churchill. So it is very hard to predict the political impact in British Columbia of what this crisis will be. Certainly, I have to say that the, the praise for Health Minister Adrian Dix and Premier John Horgan, along with Provincial Health Officer Bonnie Henry, is, is very clear. And it does kind of leave the opposition with not a lot of room to move uh, without seeming to be um, wrongly partisan at the wrong time. I think that the BC Liberals and the Green Party are, are playing it correctly, uh, but they don't have much choice either. Yeah, and I think that will probably be the case for the next number of months, I think until things kind of calm down and stabilize. But I think like any political party as you're heading into an election, uh, they will want to uh, expose and kind of highlight the flaws of the government. And they're going to want to expand, obviously, their own caucuses and say and demonstrate to the public that we could do a better job of rebuilding. And I think we'll get into that not in the next few weeks or the next few months, but probably into the latter part of this year and early into next year, if there's any hiccups or speed bumps um, that the current uh, NDP government have implemented, rest assured uh, the Greens and the Liberals will bring that up. 
Yeah. Well, I think we'll close it there. And um, to all our viewers and listeners, thanks for tuning in and listening in. Uh, we will do our very best to continue producing shows every week, uh, released on every Monday, uh, circumstances allowing. So, And also being able to get some guests like David Eby, who, again, we thank for appearing uh, remotely um, on our show today. Thanks, Bill. We'll uh, see all of you guys next week. And remember, you can find everything at our website, bcpolytalk.ca. You can also chase us down on Spotify and iTunes for podcasts. You can find us on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and find links there. You can go to YouTube and see the show. 